That was Art Bell with Dr. Lori Nadell. And on our Newsmaker line right now is Dr. Lori Nadell. Doctor, welcome to the program. Hey, Daniel. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I am uh, actually so thrilled to uh, hear that interview again. I really appreciate your playing it. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, uh, for many of us, Art Bell is a uh, progenitor of our search for truth and in fact inspired, inspired this broadcast to begin in 2004 about the time he went off the air I thought I thought man uh, you know coast to coast was kind of being taken over maybe move a different direction so I said well I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna have a show and I'm gonna start asking these questions because I want to know and he needed to go on but anyway doctor he had he had you on a program talking about his own sixth sense uh, a knowing that something was about ready to happen and that he wanted to talk to you and certainly, we're going to talk to you tonight about the sixth sense as well. So, welcome to the show. And uh, we've Thank got you. we've got people watching the program. They're going to be sending us questions in as we're as we kind of communicate here and, and talk about these things. Um, so, let's uh, let's begin with uh, why you started researching into the sixth sense. No, um, I actually was thinking about that in preparing for the uh, interview. And to be uh, completely truthful, I had my first paranormal experience when I was 11 years old. Um, I had a lucid precognitive dream in which I saw my beloved pet parakeet lying dead on the uh, on the car seat, um, on the back car seat of uh, of, a, of a family member's car. And a few days later, uh, my grandparents were bringing the parakeet. Uh, back home from a summer uh, upstate New York. And when I ran out to the car, there was the parakeet lying dead on the back seat, exactly as I had seen in my dream. And I remember standing in the street and just screaming hysterically because I had that was exactly what I had dreamt. Um, it was, uh, especially growing up um, in the 1950s uh, with a father who was a scientist and an atheist, um, I was constantly told that um, ghosts didn't exist and um, only logic and only only science existed. And, of course, it was a very 19th century reductionist model of science. And so any other kinds of dreams that I might have had that were unusual, I kind of suppressed them until my next experience happened when I was 25. And uh, I was a reporter for the United Nations and news agency and I was, uh, I was living in a place right across the street from where I worked, and there was a voice uh, in a certain corner of the apartment where I had my bed, and it was an old person's voice who kept talking about, this is what it's like to get old and get sick, and nobody comes to see you, and it was kind of creepy because I couldn't sleep. And it went on every night for a few nights until I moved my bed to the far side of the room but there was a lot of traffic noise at that side of the room. And logically, I shouldn't have been able to sleep there, but I was able to sleep there. So then I, I thought, well, maybe something weird happened in that corner. Because every time I try to sleep there, the same voice would come back. And in fact, it did turn out to be uh, the, the spirit of the person, the old man who had lived there before, who had actually had a psychotic break in exactly that corner, which is where the, the bed had been located. And um, after that, I started to have more kind of, I guess, um, phenomena happen that were, uh, shall we say, out of the ordinary. Mm. And I was guided to uh, the Society for Psychical Research, 
American Society for Psychical Research. Um, my family thought that I should be committed. In those days, you know, in the early 1970s, there was no New Age section of the bookstore, and you weren't supposed to have these kinds of uh, events happening to you. But the researchers at the Society for Psychical Research told me that, you know, what I was describing was perfectly normal for the paranormal. And that led me on a lifelong quest, really, to uh, explore the unknown and try to explain the unexplainable, ultimately led to my writing the book Sixth Sense, um, Unlocking Your Ultimate Mind Power, which has been in print since 1990. Mm. Very, very nice indeed. Um, I think a lot of people have had a sixth sense or some sense uh, or knowing. Uh, guys, get from the guy's standpoint, we, we call them hunches. Uh, right. For women, it's like a woman's intuition. So it's been with us, and a lot of people, I am sure, have had it. And by the way, those in the live chat, if you're watching on the web uh, on the website, or if you're watching on our YouTube channel, go to the chats. And if you've had a a, a, a sort of I don't want to say maybe say psychic experience or a, a, a precognition, or if you've had a um, a sixth sense about something and and you made a and it happened then just make a quick note in the live chat and we'll move that on over to uh, dr Lori nadell and as well if you have any questions for her as well put them in the in the chat so so doctor um i've, I've had a few of those and they're like art bell said it is indisputable some of the things that i've experienced that he, that he experienced and i've experienced when, when you and you experience when you have them it's like you really can't explain them away uh, and but then you go in this sort of search, um, you know. Well, why don't I have them all the time? And why didn't it happen when I really needed it to happen? It's, they seem so spontaneous. And I noticed Art Bell said it never happened again. But his was quite profound and affected him. And most of the times they do. They're actually, it's actually a shock. So why is it that they don't seem to be repeatable? Well. I think that each experience, uh, each sixth sense experience is, is unique, uh, but I think that you know our intuition, if you will, that, that ability to know something spontaneously, we call it without the conscious use of reasoning, uh, when, when we have one of those flashes or hunches or gut feelings or aha moments or we have a dream that uh, gives us this feeling that it's giving us a message or maybe we have a uh, uh, a family member who comes and speaks to us in the dream and, and gives us a message um, and, and we feel like we're really being given a warning or we're given you know some kind of a clue to something. Um, this is our own internal language. And just as some people are better at languages and some people are better at broadcasting and some people are better at, um, at, at sports or baseball, mm-hmm. uh, some people are just better at intuition. And, you know, just like everybody can learn how to play the piano and everybody can learn how to play chopsticks. Mm-hmm. And some people can practice, you know, really, really well and they can learn how to play Chopin. And if you're really good at it, you know, you can play Chopin at Carnegie Hall, but there's only one Chopin or there's only one Mozart. Mm-hmm. And so some people are really gifted and they just naturally have these experiences again and again and again because they know how to read and recognize their own personal signal and they don't tend to brush it off. Mm-hmm. And we're conditioned in this country to basically discount it and to brush it off. And mm-hmm. so I would be willing to bet that Art Bell had been getting many kinds of subtle sixth sense experiences along the way, especially because he was um, he was the pioneer really 
in these kinds of talk shows like mm -hmm. the, the conversation we're having now. And he was very courageous because I remember saying to Oprah when I was on her show about premonitions that it's easier for people to talk about incest than it is to admit that they had a dream about something that came true. We're very embarrassed by it, especially guys, and so we suppress it. So maybe we are having these experiences all the time, but until we learn how to recognize our own private language, uh, we don't know that we're getting messages or warnings or advice um, that we should trust somebody who we just met or that we should not sign you know, that paper with that car dealer. Uh, we're getting this advice all the time, but we tune it out. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I want to welcome uh, additional people in our live chat. Uh, Samurai Cop, Stephen Fleming, Southern Boy, uh, Jeff is back with us, Gil, Jim Tedesco, Joyce Platts, and Truth and Treasure. Put Yahweh first as well. Of course, Jade is our moderator of the Edge broadcast. Well, um, so I certainly have had my share of, of uh, uh, experiences. And I noticed in, in the bio that we have on, on you on our website there, it seems like you uh, busted open the uh, government's... Um, sort of secret psychic espionage program. Well, how did that happen? Now, I was a, a journalist in the first, you know, 20 years of my career, and I, I worked uh, for Newsweek, uh, with war, war, covered war reporter in uh, South America during the state of siege in Chile, and then uh, I worked for ABC and CBS News. And um, when I started writing Sixth Sense, uh, I, was, uh, I interviewed uh, astronaut Edgar Mitchell, and mm -hmm. he was one of the first Apollo astronauts who had had a kind of revelation or an epiphany in space where he connected with the cosmic consciousness, where he knew that there was a higher intelligence that was kind of directing um, the, the planets and universe. And as a result, he came back and he started an institute called the Institute for uh, Noetic Sciences, which uh, started doing research and actual controlled studies and research into the you know what was then considered to be uh, and may still be considered kind of a fringe area of um, of science or mind body science and it was Edgar Mitchell who uh, told me about the secret espionage program and he sent me out to California to interview uh, Dr. Willis Harmon who was uh, his protege who was running the Institute of Noetic Sciences and he had been part of that secret program. And uh, every time I asked somebody, um, they sent me around just to interview some of the physicists who told me these amazing stories. And they kept telling me that the program didn't exist anymore. And this was, this was now 1988. And, you know, as a journalist for 20 years, and my lead into this is that you know when people are lying to you. And I knew that they were lying to me. I knew every time somebody looked at me, I go, oh, we don't do that anymore. We don't have mm -hmm. this program anymore. Mm -hmm. I knew that they were lying. But I was, at that point, no longer working for a big news organization. And, uh, you know, there were too many stories about independent investigators who go missing. And I was a young mom, and I thought, you know, I can report on this program, and I can report on what I was told, um, but I know that there's more to it. And in fact, mm -hmm. the program was not declassified until 1996. So uh, my hunch, my reporter's hunch was right on the money. Hmm. All right. Now uh, we have this question here. Uh, it says, uh, uh, Doctor, do we get premonitions from God? I saw one of my parents getting a deadly disease. Two years later, my dad died from cancer. I didn't 
say anything because they never believed anything I told them anyway. So I guess there's that suggesting, uh, are these premonitions from God? Uh, I'm not an expert on God. I believe that the uh, these premonitions come from a, a higher uh, higher dimension of knowing or consciousness, a, a spiritual force that you know sometimes gives us information to warn us and to help us prepare so that we can grieve ahead of time. So as if you call that, if that's what you call God or Spirit or the Holy Spirit, I would say yes. All right, and for those of you watching, if you have had an experience, uh, go ahead and put that in the live chat. Uh, I have uh, said, uh, uh, Doctor, and I, I noticed that uh, uh, Art Bell had said that he had a, a sort of a singular event. And I, I, the seminal, seminal moment for mine, I'll share it with you, and uh, the audience have, have heard me say it before, but um, one night I had a dream, and the dream had to do with this large water tower. And... Um, uh, this large water tower was in the area that I lived in and in the dream um, a door at the bottom of the water tower opened up and all the water came out and I thought well that's a crazy dream why would I even have a dream like that so next day um, I went to I went to this new church and um, I was standing in the foyer and I was talking to somebody I've never met, met before and I, I was saying uh, they they talk they said something about a dream and I said well you know I said I had a crazy dream last night I said I had a dream that that water tower down there on 40 the door opened up and all the water came out and somebody from another group you know how people kind of get in these little groups well somebody from another group came running over and said what did you say and I said I said well I was just telling him my dream and he made me repeat the dream well turned out that guy was the guy that built the water tower. And he said that the wa the door opened last night and all the water came out. Now, oh my God. There, oh. that is indisputable, without a doubt, uh, proof positive that these things, these communications to us do come. The the, the viewer asked about, did God give him the, the information? I mean, I, mean uh, I, I guess it depends on your point of view. I would probably guess for myself, yes. You know, I mean, certainly wasn't me telling myself. Uh, you know, uh, now perhaps maybe I got up in the middle of the night and my, out of my body and I looked. I don't know. It's more logical that a supreme being gave me the information. But it, but anyway, it's indisputable. So, you know, I'm thinking, wow. I mean, I, what can I do with that information? I, I, I it'd been better if I told him if I had a dream before and then he went and checked the door. But so, like Art Bell, he didn't prevent somebody from running into his car. Um, so, what do we do with this information, sort of after the fact? Well, you know, sometimes we get information that we can act on, and I'll give you an example in a moment. But a lot of the time, you know, I in, in writing Sixth Sense, um, I, I kind of came up with, with this um, way of explaining it, which is that our Sixth Sense functions like a satellite dish in the brain or in the mind, and it's able to pick up information in the form of images, in the form of signals, in the form of uh, voices sometimes, that, that can give us information about things that haven't happened yet because actually time isn't linear. I mean, physicists will tell you, you know, we think of it as past, present, and future, but the part of your mind that's, that, that's able to tune that satellite dish into what's a, what something is about to happen, um, that part of us doesn't know that it's not allowed to do that uh, because time, you know, doesn't really follow that progression. So when we're sleeping, you know, sometimes we're able to pick up information, like before 9-11, uh, 
many people had precognitive dreams and reported them to their therapists, mm -hmm. uh, for, uh, including uh, people reported dreams to me as early as a year before 9-11, planes flying into towers, people, people flying off the tops of buildings, uh, buildings falling down, smoke filling the streets and people uh, running. Uh, so sometimes when there's a big event, uh, that satellite dish is kind of tuned into something that Carl Jung called the collective unconscious, where kind of energies kind of gather. Mm -hmm. And uh, before the pandemic started, uh, mm -hmm. many people had called me and said they had a terrible sense of foreboding and that something catastrophic was going to happen and that they felt that way uh, before 9-11. This is this very often, it's a kind of like a psychic imprint in people's minds that they remember that they had this feeling of, of, of impending dread mm -hmm. uh, before a major event. Mm -hmm. Now, I had a series of dreams in 2012, which I write about in The Five Gifts. So thanks for putting, that's my most recent book. And uh, started um, around Memorial Day of 2012. My father, who passed in 1989, appeared to me in a dream and he said, um, Laura, you're going to need water. You're going to need extra water make sure that you go out and buy a lot of water. And I said, okay, Dad, in the dream, and I woke up and I went to the supermarket and I bought a few gallons of water, and uh, then I forgot about it. And then around uh, 4th of July, my Uncle Nick showed up in the dream, and he said, your father and I are very concerned. You don't have enough water. You're going to have an emergency, and you're going to need more water. You have to buy more water. So I went out, I bought a few more gallons of water, and then on Labor Day, my dad showed up, and he was a dentist in, in his, you know, in his when his uh, when he was alive, and he was wearing his lab coat and his glasses, and he looked very severe. And he said, "You're not taking this seriously. You do not have enough water, young lady." So I went out and I filled the attic. We had 13 uh, gallons of water and a few cases of water. And on October, I think 28th, 29th, 2012, Hurricane Sandy destroyed. Uh, well. It destroyed over a million homes in the northeastern United States, including my home on a barrier island. And uh, the, storm, the storm surge destroyed the town sewer pump. And so when the tide went out, um, all, all of the properties, the gardens, the houses, everything was contaminated. The water supply was contaminated. And I was the only one on the block who had enough water for the first few days before the Red Cross showed up and I was able to share the water with my neighbors and my friends. Mm -hmm. So there is an example of a, of a dream uh, where I really believe that uh, my, my father and my uncle came, came back from the other side to warn me ahead of time and to give me advice that was actionable. But a lot of the time, people have dreams about things where you, know, you picked up on something that was going to happen because uh, sometimes we say that intuition is the ability to see around the corner, but that doesn't mean that you can stop what's going to happen, which makes it very frustrating a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. By the way, on, the, on our website, we have a poll question related to this interview, and it is, what is the sixth sense? The choices are extrasensory perception, knowing beyond five senses, intuition or hunch, uh, Proprial conception, that's why I said that, right? And then uh, you see dead people and uh, there's only five, sorry. But right now we have 50% uh, of the people say that uh, sixth sense is extrasensory perception, 35% say knowing beyond five senses, and 14% uh, say 
into Winchester High. So uh, uh, that that's a large percentage there of people that believe that it, it is out there and it, it because they had the option said it doesn't exist and but uh, there's no nobody even took that so i guess a lot of people believe that but let's get to a, another question for you this is from bear who gave the bear report earlier part of the program it says doctor do you uh, have anything to do with the old tv show the sixth sense um no but actually i did know i think the producers for that show uh it was an excellent show and i'm trying to remember who uh, who the host was, but uh, that was an excellent show in which they interviewed people who were professional intuitives and psychics and uh, mm-hmm. doctors who were working in the area of consciousness. I'm sorry it went off the air. Uh, not to minimize uh, uh, people that have died around you, but um, you said that they gave you information. Doesn't that mean that you see dead people? Um well, I don't actually see them, but um, I have been trained in evidential mediumship. Um, after that experience, when I was 25, where um, I learned that somebody had actually, not actually physically died, but it had a psychotic break in that corner, um, that kind of started me on, a, uh, I guess, a, a lifelong quest to take courses and to learn about the sixth sense and... Uh, Soon after that, I, uh, I met my father's great aunt, uh, Anna, who was a spiritualist. And uh, she was, I think, in her 70s at the time. And she kind of introduced me to the world of communication with spirits and automatic writing and uh, kind of uh, opened up that area of uh, exploration for me. But it really wasn't until, I think, 2013 or 2014 that I trained formally at uh, the Spiritualist Association of mm-hmm. Lilydale, which is the oldest spiritualist community in the country. So I, I have occasionally done readings for people, but um, I stick to friends and family. I, I'm not a professional medium. Mm-hmm. But I don't see them, but I am able to um, listen to them and, and receive impressions that are usually meaningful if somebody's recently lost somebody, somebody who crossed over. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. don't actually see them, but I know that they're around. Mm. Now, have you ever uh, researched into the Bible to look for uh, uh, information or stories related to dreams or uh, psychic experiences or resurrection or anything like that? Have you ever looked into that for part of your research? Not that much. Um, I, I had did, did a lot of reading in the book of Revelations, uh, for a while, uh, I I was um, a journalist and was uh, I have a I had a column in the New York Times called Long Island at Worship and probably the most fascinating story I did was the story on um, the end times phenomenon in the suburbs of New York City and uh, so I that was kind of the extent of my exploration uh, into Revelation mm-hmm. but it, it's fascinating because it, the Bible has so many accounts of uh, dreams and angels appearing and um, you know a, a colleague of mine calls the Bible the guidebook to the supernatural L.A. Marzulli? yeah <laughs> well, L.A. Marzulli. I, I love the way he says that you just can't yeah. you, you, you just you just can't see when, when, when he talks you, you just don't you don't feel like you're getting preached to you feel like somebody's relaying information to you and i i do like the way that he presents that so yeah he, he is a good guy i'm glad we both both know him <clears throat> um all right so if anybody's had any any um any uh, things that happened to him just put it put it in the live chat there so now i've heard voices and i i don't know if i wouldn't put that into 
uh, a sixth sense, but I mean, and everybody, people have heard this story as well, but I mean, it's interesting to share it with, with guests that are in this sort of field, but I was in a checkout counter one time and uh, um, I gave the guys uh, my money, he gave me my change, and I said, how you doing? He said, I'm doing fine. And I heard a voice clear as day, Dr. Laurie, to say, ask him again. Well, you know, you really don't want to ask somebody again because you don't want to take your time, you want to move on. But what do you do when you hear a voice? Because first of all, am I going to have to check into a psycho board or am I getting some opportunity? Am I hearing something that's direct from from somewhere else? And so I just took a chance and asked him again. I said, I look at him and I said, no, how you doing? And then he just started breaking down and started telling me all this stuff like he was just a well that wanted to share the things that was happening in his life. And he thanked me for asking him again. But he wasn't going to tell me the first time. But if I didn't listen, but now there's an audio voice. Now I've had events, and I'm sure people in the live chat watching the program have heard voices in their head. And you know, it's like you kind of said earlier. If you say you, a voice told me something, society, the culture is programmed to condense around you. They just they come around you and say you're you're crazy. Stop it, nonsense. Uh, there's only science, only what you can see. They try to tell you that, you know, and it's, it's like we, we can't advance into that field as, as a society, as a culture, as a species, a human beast, find, trying to find out why we are here and what does all this mean? Well, that's a part of it. And there's some, there's a, there's a part of society that just shuts that conversation down every time. There, it's, it's an auto reflex. And for most of them, they're programmed to. Ha, ha, ha. He's hearing voices. Well, maybe he did hear a voice. Now, there are, of course, and you're a doctor and you know this, and we put that link up there. Let's put that back up there, your title there. There are people that hear voices that are insane. But they, that, right. that is manifested by their, their usually violent uh, right. and retrograde activities that uh, are easily defined by that. But for others and the majority of people, it's not that way. Well, I mean, there, there's. The, I think that that's a really great point. Um, first, culturally, uh, we we unlike every other, just about every other society in the world, accepts that these kinds of experiences are part of human nature, and and that was one of the reasons why Carl Jung broke with Sigmund Freud. Uh, Jung believed that we're connected to something greater than ourselves, and that through our intuition which is a, a natural human ability that we all have, that we can receive you know, messages and, and, and we can connect with each other empathically. Some people are able to feel what other people are feeling, you know, like Counselor Troy in Star Trek, who's portrayed as an alien from another planet. Many people are empaths, but they're never told that this is a gift. They're usually ashamed of it. They usually, uh, unless uh, they become entrepreneurs because they're basically very skilled in reading what other people are feeling and they're able to channel it into some kind of a business um, a vision or idea uh, or sense of possibility. But Dr. Jonas Salk, who is the one who developed the Salk polio vaccine, uh, wrote a book called The Anatomy of Reality, Merging of Intuition and Reason. And I interviewed him for uh, Sixth Sense. And um, he believed that unless we begin to honor and encourage children to develop and trust our intuition that we will make ourselves extinct as a species because what we call logic and when we actually deny some of the, the some of these inner voices that we have are voices of hope and creativity mm -hmm. and inspiration mm -hmm. and uh, and intuition and they, they signal us 
um, like in your case, that they're, they're kind of urging us to reach out and connect and communicate with somebody. So that would be kind of like an intuitive empathy, what you're just describing. And if we don't learn how to develop that and become more interconnected as a species, uh, we will be the first species in the history of evolution that designed the means to make ourselves extinct for no reason whatsoever, except that the logical brain was smart enough to figure out how to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's really not very intelligent in mm -hmm. my book. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting what you said about the kids. Um, uh, it, it seems that, I mean, just normally, in, a normal, in normal times, when a child says they see somebody we instantly, again, we talk about coming, mm -hmm. surrounding them and said, no, you don't, you know, quit imagining, you don't, there's nobody there. We basically talk them out of that because and, and, it does seem like a lot of, you know, children sort of go through a, at least a little phase of, of um, uh, some imaginary play friend or whatever. And we instantly collapse around them to say, oh, that's, that's, that's nice, but it's not true and this and that. But if we were ever to, to get uh, the children to, to the level what you just suggested, we just went 50 years backwards because now we have so many kids with this thing going around, which I won't mention, but putting coverings on their faces and they can't, you can't see them smiling. They can't see their teacher smiling. They can't see their relatives smiling. We're not going forward with that. That is, we'll never, we're not going to advance that, the, the, the youth into, into a better, more, um, aware, I guess, a more spiritual type of person because we're pushing them backward. And uh, so I don't know. That's a big, we have a big stall in society, so I'm not seeing much on that front. All right, let's get some more questions coming in. They're just piling in here now. Smoke C says, Doctor, does, does the ether play a role in allowing us to see the future? Well, the, the ether is a spiritualist term, and, and it's kind of the description of the energetic interface, if you will. So when we were talking, for example, about the human energy field or the aura, I mean, that's uh, kind of the, that's, uh, which has been photographed by Curlian photographs and other forms of um, um, biofield um, photography. I mean, if you go to a psychic fair, somebody will take a picture of your aura, and you can actually mm -hmm. see it. You can right. train yourself to see it. Um, that that interface between the physical world and the non-physical world is what was traditionally called the ether, and you know it's it's kind of a, a nebulous, um, uh, you know it it, do, it it doesn't actually have physical properties, and yet it, it 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 is believed to be a kind of conduit of energy between the spirit world and the uh, and the physical world. Um, does it actually exist in the sense can physics measure it? Um, now with uh, Ghostbusters and you know EVP equipment, mm -hmm. they probably do have a way of measuring it. But yeah, there there are definitely subtle energies that that are kind of we, we say thin the veil or make it easier to perceive mm -hmm. what's going on in the spiritual or non-physical dimensions. Mm -hmm. Well, a, a sense of knowing isn't just necessarily in in the human species realm. There have been videos taken of, of pet owners. I don't know specifically what I'm thinking of is a, a dog owner set up a camera because every time they came home, the dog <clears throat> was on the couch with his paws in the window looking out when the owner got home from work. Well, the owner wanted to know if that dog knew only the timing. So he set it up and he came back early two or three times. And those early times, that dog knew when he was coming back and he had a video to prove it. 
He came back at alternative times, and the dog still went up on the couch at the time that he was coming in and because he recorded it. So isn't there a knowing? I mean, doesn't it say that the animal kingdom has some sort of knowing as well? Animals are so highly intuitive. Um, I had a, I had a, a cat, um, and I remember once I went away for seven days, and the cat went off, went walkabout for those seven days and just didn't come back. And uh, when I came back from the airport, just as we drove up, there was the cat like sitting in front of the front door, just waiting for me to show up. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that animals are highly, highly intuitive, and they can communicate with us uh, through dreams and through many, many different types of uh, awarenesses. Mm-hmm. I see somebody in the, in the live chat said they saw that video. Uh, <clears throat> it also reminds me that... Uh, uh, there's a true story of uh, a tsunami that happened years ago on, on a certain island. And oh. before the tsunami came, um, nobody was aware it was coming. But the animals all started running inland. And then the Aborigines or whoever they were, the Indians, the, the locals, they went running in because they saw the animals running. And right. well, how did the animals know that a tsunami was coming? So they, But they actually were bright enough to understand that if the animals are running, then maybe we need to run too. Well, animals are brilliant, and they, they I think they pick up cues in the environment. I, I remember years ago I had a podcast um, that was very similar to, to uh, this show, and there was a story about an oar fish that lived you know, at the bottom of the uh, sea, the Sea of Japan, and uh, it hadn't shown up for 100 years, and when the oar fish showed up, they believed that it was a sign that an earthquake was coming, and... Uh, shortly thereafter, like within a year, there was a major earthquake in Japan. But the mm. fishermen knew that the earthquake was coming because the oarfish showed up in their nets. Wow. That's great stuff. Great stuff. All right. Freely speaking, says, Doctor, why do people say, I see dead people, when in fact they are seeing something that is clearly alive, not just in a physical form? Well, I think that's a really excellent point. Um, you know, we think of, of spirits uh, or, or entities as, uh, especially if they um, take the shape of a human, we think of them as, as being um, disincarnate human beings. But in fact, you know, there are many different kinds of uh, spirits. I mean, animals, we have Na- Native Americans and indigenous people um, connect with power animals, which are animals and spirit, which act as guides uh, for healing, uh, to help other bring messages. Um, there are angels that appear uh, to people in broad daylight very often. Uh, there are, there are um, spirits of those who have passed um, that show up. So they're, they're definitely a whole range of, of other types of spiritual entities who are other than, other than dead people. Mm-hmm. Have, have you um, sort of um, improved your sense as a result of your books and uh, the five gifts and the sixth sense? Have you personally improved your ability to perceive things? I think it's become so interwoven into who I am that I, I don't even really notice it anymore, but um, I, I do really love and appreciate having being able to have this conversation because um, it's only relatively recently that we've had this opening of acceptance of the paranormal. And when I, uh, for, when I when first when Sixth Sense you know first came out, it was the first book on uh, psychic phenomena or intuition. I think that the last book on intuition had been published in 1948, 
Um, there just there, there was no new age section of the bookstore. It was very hard to get information on these kinds of subjects. There were no podcasts. Um, you know, there were no uh, there were no Discovery Channel shows. There were no ghost hunters. And so, um, at, if you remember that scene in the uh, movie The Sixth Sense, where the little boy uh, describes what he's seeing and and he gets bullied and he gets ostracized. That was what reality was like uh, for so many kids and adults. Uh, we had to really suppress and sequester and hide these perceptions, and you never spoke about it in polite company because people would think that you were schizophrenic and you should be committed. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, this is this is, I think, a huge advance in that we're able to have these conversations and people can tune in and ask questions. And the fact that. I'm perfectly comfortable talking about it, I think allows me to actually um, allow these perceptions to come in. In fact, a very strange thing happened five minutes before you called. Um, I have a very heavy coffee table here and I have my uh, laptop is up here and the table moved towards me and the computer fell into my lap and the, the glass of uh, liquid that I was drinking fell all over the floor, and I burst out laughing. And I don't know, I don't know who pushed it because I don't see them, but um, it definitely didn't move by itself. Yes, I did just say that, wow. and I have no idea what it was. And I thought, very funny, whoever you are, you know that I'm about to have this conversation, and you just want to make sure that I'm on my toes. So, wow. whoever you are, thank you. Wow. Um, Weird things happen, right? Yeah, well, they, they certainly do. Um, uh, you know, our, our, our mutual friend, L.A. Marzulli, Marzulli always said, he had a saying that always kind of stuck with me. He said, uh, when it comes to UFOs, rebuke first, take photographs second. And uh, I always thought that was kind of funny. I consider L.A. Marzulli a, a hybrid Christian, a sort of, and I feel like I'm kind of in, in that realm as well, a hybrid Christian, one that would would dare to even have you on this program and talk to you about these things, which I know some would uh, would find objectionable, but I feel like we're reasonable people. We can have a conversation even if we disagree, and some things I'll agree, some things I won't, you know, but uh, I think we can learn from each other. But let me ask something about that. I, so I was thinking about this rebuke first. Now, I, I kind of, it might be wrong, but I wouldn't mind seeing a UFO. So <laughs> I, thought was, I thought there was one up there. And I'm thinking, man, if I rebuke this thing, it's going to go away. And so I, <laughs> I did not. Don't tell, don't tell LA, man. He may call me up. But so I didn't. Uh, so I didn't rebuke it. So I want to see it, you know. But uh, let me ask you something, though. And I mentioned the Bible to you, and man, it is full. The spiritual guidebook is full, like you said, of dreams, visions, angels ascending, descending. People being out of the body, being on housetops, coming up from the dead. I mean, it's full of this stuff. Do you think that if you did study the spiritual guidebook, that it would sort of be like that, the rebuke first and and look and get your camera later, because if you rebuke it, it'll go away. Do you consider that if you study the spiritual guidebook, that what maybe your senses would be lessened as a result? I don't think so. I mean, I think it depends on the filters that you use to study. If you look at Alan Marzulli, I mean, you know, he's a scholar and, you know, he's incredibly um, intuitive and perceptive and, and wise, you know, in, in this domain. Um, but, but you bring up an interesting point. When I first started promoting Sixth Sense, 
the first uh, call-in show I did was on the East Coast in Boston. And the first person who called up was a professional gambler. I still remember his name was Wolfie. And he said, I had a dream. My uncle came to me and he told me, my uncle was a gambler, and he told me that I should bet on the uh, third horse in the sixth race, and I bet on it, and, uh, and I lost. And so how can I tell a real hunch from a false hunch? So he had a very practical question. And, um, uh, and one of the answers, of course, is that if your uncle was a professional gambler and he wasn't very good at it and he comes to you in a dream, don't assume that he knows any more on the other side than he did before. Um, and trust your own hunches uh, rather than you know, the advice. Just because uh, somebody appears to you in a dream doesn't mean that they necessarily you know, have the right information for you. The second place, uh, I was out on the West Coast and I was talking about Sixth Sense and we were talking about um, science and intuition and somebody called in and the second questionnaire I had uh, in, in my promotional career here, he said, hey man, do you believe in like tele telepathy with extraterrestrials? And I, I had to laugh because it was LA. I mean, this is like a perfect mm -hmm. West Coast question, right? Mm -hmm. And my answer was, um, my book has nothing to do with that, but thank you for asking. And then I was in Indianapolis, and I was giving a talk to the National Association of Retail Druggists, and they had seen me on Oprah, and I was just giving a talk about mm -hmm. intuition, hunches, and gut feelings, and women's intuition. And at the end of the talk, this young woman came up to me, and she said, um, it's very, very interesting what you talked about. She said, but you're teaching the work of the devil, and you have the sign of Satan on you. And she starts screaming at me in this crowd of like like this luncheon hotel dining room and they kind of whisked me away and took me to the airport and so I mean I think it, it you know to answer your question I think it depends on where you are in your relationship to your spiritual studies and I think that you can find that the uh, Bible is rich in many accounts of um, but you would you would you would be afraid to look in there and do a study in there uh, no, I wouldn't be afraid to study in there. I'm just saying that you know some people read the Bible and they look for that uh, pejorative or negative filter. They look at it as very negative. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, when I've read the Bible and I, I, I read these stories about angels appearing, I will share with you a story that I shared with Art Bell that on September 9th, 2001, um, I was writing a story for the New York Times. It was about a surfing contest, and I had to file my story at midnight. And as I was getting ready to go from the workroom um, into, the, into the bedroom, my kid was there, curled up with a kitten, and an angel appeared in the room. And I thought that I was working much too hard and I was hallucinating. And the angel stood there and put her wing over the sleeping child and the cat. And the angel said, I swear to God, said, whatever happens, I will keep you and your daughter safe. And I looked at this angel and I said... I'm making you up, right? I mean, I'm like, I, you know, I'm, I'm hallucinating. And the angel said, no, I'm real, and smiled. And the whole room filled with this golden light. And I figured, I didn't know what just happened. But two days later, the planes hit the towers. Wow. And, I, and, my, and my kid was terrified. And so I said, well, I know this is going to sound really strange, but this angel came two nights ago and said that we were going to be okay. And uh, thank God, you know, we, we were able to, to, we're still here. So hmm. many other people perished. Very nice. Very but, incredible. Uh, incredible story there, Dr. Lord. 
Okay. Um, Smoke C says, Doctor, could there be a seventh sense? If so, what do you think it would be? Well, Lynn Buchanan, who is uh, one of the psychic spies for the Pentagon, has written an amazing book called The Seventh Sense. And uh, after reading his book, I actually went and studied with him uh, basic and intermediate level remote viewing. Now, Lynn Buchanan describes The Seventh Sense as a very heightened um, perception. Like if you train your five physical senses to an extremely a heightened sense of awareness, which is mm -hmm. part of what the government's remote viewing training program approach is all about, your sixth sense will kick in at a much higher level so that he describes in his book how he was sitting in a cafe somewhere in Europe and he could describe the person who just came in behind him because he was able to basically perceive energetically what was happening behind him. And that's part of what the remote viewing program teaches uh, people to do. Hmm. So um, wow. I would say, yeah, it's a, a kind of more of a heightened sixth sense would be the seventh sense. And I highly recommend that book. Okay. Very interesting. Uh, Jay DeMotter says, Doctor, are children more susceptible to experience sixth sense type of events? I think that everyone has these abilities as children, and uh, I think there there was a um, a survey of kids uh, years ago that that found that 43% of kids between the ages of eight and 12 said that they tended to trust their sixth sense or their intuition uh, over their five physical senses. Mm -hmm. But then, when you look at the same data as an adult population, it's only 25% of us who report that we trust our sixth sense over our five physical senses. So it gets trained out of us. But I think that yes, everybody everybody and kids do have a natural ability to perceive in ways that are not linear and logical. Hmm. All right, that's a great question there. All right, another question here from uh, uh, Freely Speaking. During pregnancy, do women's sense heighten and is that what feeling it in one's waters refers to? I think that's true. I think um, I know that when I was when I was pregnant, I definitely felt that my intuitive uh, awareness was starting to open up again. Um, I definitely felt a very deep connection to uh, you know to the new life that was coming in, um, and I definitely developed much more of a sensitivity to um, things that were going on uh, professionally around me. Um, had dreams about things that were going to happen in the workplace that then ended up happening. So um, I think that that's true. Mm. No. Interesting. Uh, Teflon Co says, Doctor, is the COVID virus affecting people's spiritual communications? I think it is, um, I, both positively and negatively. Now, I, I have a program. Uh, it's a free support program for people who have long COVID, uh, which is maybe up to 30% of people who get COVID develop uh permanent or long-term health problems. Mm. And uh, we try to reframe COVID as, uh, we call it a sacred illness. And uh, a sacred illness is one that, that opens us up experiences ourselves to looking at the world in a more spiritual way so that we can share those insights that we would not have otherwise have had mm. uh, to help ourselves and other people. So um, I'm, I don't think that that's exactly the direction that the questioner was, was asking, but I think that we have an opportunity to build better spiritual uh, communication 
because of the collective wound that that COVID has inflicted on us, not just as a nation, but as a species. Uh, thank you for that quote. That's uh, yes, it is our American tradition to come together in times of tragedy, and this is how we grow as a people and as a nation. And I truly believe that in disaster, we have an opportunity to come together, and and COVID does offer us an opportunity to to become more mm. empathic, mm. Um, even though it's uh, extremely frustrating and divisive. Yeah, that is true, and that is a shame. Kind of goes back to what I said earlier about, uh, you know, one thing for the adults to have problems and to isolate each other, say, well, you, know, you got it and you didn't, so I'm not saying you or you this and you do that, and these, you know, got all these camps and. But there's one thing for the adults to do it, but man, you know, like I said, the kids are right smack dab in the middle of this war, and uh, man, it's just setting us back, doctor, and I'm trying to move forward, and I know you're trying to move things forward, too, as well. All right, uh, Gil says, uh, does your sixth sense feel we're going to have World War III in the near future? You know, um, I would say that my anxiety <laughs> wonders whether we're going to have World War III in the, in the near future. Um, there's certainly um, a lot of flashpoints in the world. I mean, things are heating up in the Middle East. Uh, Russia is a big concern. Um, North Korea is a wild card. Mm. Um, we're kind of sitting on a on a on a powder keg. And then there's climate change. Um, but I I try to kind of shut that channel down because it's very easy to kind of watch the catastrophe channel and then get all kinds of physical feelings and think that that's your sixth sense. And sixth sense and anxiety are, are kind of all on the same spectrum. So that's one of the reasons why it's mm-hmm. important to know when that little voice is coming from your sixth sense and not your fear. Mm-hmm. Well, tell you what, I, I do have a word of advice for people. If you have an ache and or a pain and you got a few years going, do not look at the Internet because mm-hmm. you will have everything of the worst case that you read about. How about you're just having a little ache and pain? It's called life. But I'm just right. telling you, don't look at the internet, man. Again, look for look for some uh, clinical advice on things. All right, so here we go. Um, um, what? Is, oh, this is from Harris Sol- uh, Solomon. It says, Doctor, what is the meaning of life? Simple question. Oh, <laughs> I wish I knew. I think the meaning of life is that you know you say, what is the meaning of your life? Uh, I don't know that the marquee ever comes on. Um, and as I said, there are people who, lead, who read the Bible and they'll, they'll interpret it in one way and other people read the Bible and they'll interpret it in another way. So I don't think that there's any, you know, as I said, I don't think that, that, the, that the flash of lightning comes down. At least, I mean, I haven't seen it come down and say, mm-hmm. this is the meaning of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do know that um, there have been a lot of, there's been a lot of research that people who have uh, survive war and concentration camps and, and hardship, find that um, if you live your life with a sense of meaning and purpose and connection to others, that, that gives your life meaning and that can give a life meaning and that can give our lives meaning. So mm-hmm. I guess I would answer it uh, in that way. Well, you give the best answer that you've, you've come to in your experience, uh, but you know philosophers have been seeking answer to that question Forever there, uh, uh, Harris, you, you probably know that before you answered that, asked that question. Now, the great philosopher Daniel Ott says, the meaning of life is to learn to love. 
How about that? Yes, live with an open heart. All right, here we go. Tammy Hall says, uh, Doctor, are the schizophrenics actually seeing and hearing someone who is real? Sometimes uh, schizophrenics uh, are, have been known to have psychic abilities. Um, and sometimes um, psychics end up institutionalized because they're believed to be schizophrenic. And I think that's, that's one of the you know, kind of uh, horrors and mistakes uh, that, that's made very, very often, um, and especially with, you, uh, with traditional uh, psychoanalysis that looks at hearing any voice as being uh, a sign of, of psychosis. Um, I think, you know, we all have many different voices. We all have um, an encouraging voice that says, hey, that was a good job. And, you know, we all have a critical voice that says, boy, that was really stupid. And, um, you know, these, these parts of ourselves can, can help us to navigate life mm -hmm. as well as that voice that says, you know, jump out of the way or don't trust that person or read the fine print or, you know, the voice that you heard that said, you know, ask, ask mm -hmm. it again. Um, but schizo schizophrenics, um, as you pointed out, Daniel, they, they're usually, um, they're, they're not able to function, they're not able to, um, they're, they're not able to carry out normal activities or take care of themselves in the interest of their own survival. So there are behaviors that, uh, that they need help with, whether it's medication or whether it's uh, counseling or training. So um, my, one of my mentors, Dr. Schachter, was a psychiatrist who had actually reported experiences of uh, working with psychiatrists, working with schizophrenics in the hospitals who actually were psychic, um, who would say to him, there was one man who would say to him, um, I'm so sorry you had an argument with your wife this morning, mm -hmm. or I'm glad you decided to put, to, to put on the blue tie instead of the green tie, and of course he hadn't spoken to anybody about it. So, um, you know, they can coexist. Mm. Schizophrenia and psychic ability can coexist, but they're not the same thing. Mm. Okay, I'm going to jump out of the picture here for just a second. And then for the audience, I'm going to take you out of the picture. Okay, I'm going to show you a quote from a great philosopher. And I want to know if you know who that philosopher is. Paul McCartney. <laughs> Correct. Absolutely correct. If, if, if I had a $100 bill, I'd send it to you because you just won the great prize there. And the reason, reason I put that up there is because wisdom can come in many forms and from many different places and different corners of the planet, which is one reason I have this show. And when you look at the guest list on this show, there's no real thing that you could say, well, this show is about that or this show is about that. Because I've come to realize in my experience of what's life about is that everybody has some wisdom. And you don't know where it's coming from. That's one of my favorite quotes. And it's a great quote. And it's true, too, I would think. All right. Peter from Australia says, um, are people that have lucid dreams more often likely to have a better sixth sense? Um, I think so. Uh, although there are many people who have uh, precognitive dreams that are not necessarily lucid in the sense that a lucid dream is one in which you're aware that you're dreaming when you, it's like you're awake in your dream and you're aware that you're getting a message. So when I had those dreams where my father, my uncle and my father came back, those were lucid dreams. I was aware in the dream that I was dreaming. Uh, but very often people will have uh, dreams about things that are going to happen or they'll have a feeling that, um, 
they should or shouldn't go to work the next day, and, and those dreams will not necessarily have that lucid quality. But I mm -hmm. think generally, yeah, uh, lucid dreaming is definitely a, a on the on the spectrum of uh, high sixth sense uh, ability. Mm -hmm. Well, it is clear from the the spiritual guidebook that God does speak to people in their dreams, so they are important. But I've I've had a number of dreams which is just ridiculous, doctor, and um, uh, it don't seem like it's God talking to me. Now, it, am, am I tuning into a different frequency? I mean, are, are we? Some of our dreams are the some coming from up there, but maybe they're coming from somewhere else. Is is, is somebody hacking our frequency? Well, that's that's a whole other you know question because you know can be, can can our dreams be hacked? Um, you know, there's a whole area called psychic self-defense, and there are people um, who claim that they you know that they are uh, mentally or psychically being um, invaded, if you will. Uh, but dreams serve many purposes, and one of the purposes that dreams serve is to help us metabolize or digest events during the day or things that we saw on the news or things something that we saw on TV that might be you know upsetting or disturbing um, dreams can be you know they can be very uplifting that you can wake up feeling that you've been to a magical place or that you've had this incredible you know romantic or sexual experience or you can wake up you know with your heart racing because you you know a monster's been chasing you through the basement and you know dreams have many different levels of meaning and um, in my work, you know, with individuals, a lot of the work that we do is to try to um, understand uh, what's playing out in our dreams because mm -hmm. it gives us a better dimension of self-knowledge. Mm. Um, it seems that uh, we were just mentioning, you said Paul McCartney, but uh, talking about the Beatles, there's a song they have, uh, I think it's called um, I Got a Feeling, and in, in, in that John Lennon talks about uh, have, having sex in a dream, so <laughs> kind of weird. All right, um, so Harris comes back for this question. What is the importance of the sense of smell? Is there a connection to good when you're hungry? I'm sorry, I don't understand the question. Okay, well, Harris Solomon, if you would like to rephrase that question, we'll continue to give that to the, to the guests. And by the way, people watching the program, if you have a question for our guest tonight, Dr. Lori Nadell, talking about Sixth Sense, her book there, and uh, the five guests as well. Put your questions in the live chat on the YouTube channel or on the website, and you can additionally, at the top of the menu of the website, it says direct. It's a direct guest question. You can send your questions through there. So, um, so uh, back to experiences. So, every voice that we hear can't be from a good place. So now we're talking about something, and I mentioned about dreams. There must be something about discernment that has to go along with these interpretations of whether or not we're getting a, a message from a good place. How can we strengthen our interpretation to know what's right? Um, could you give me an example? Well, let's just say, um, um, a, 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 well, let's just say a man, for a man's sake, uh, a man was, say, married man would see a woman say, oh, I need to go talk to her. Okay, well, that can't be coming from a good place. Um, so it maybe in that case there, right, that's too easy. It says the man's talking to himself. Um, but some kind of, on some order that, um, uh, maybe you have a dream that says you should go buy a car the next day. And, but the reality is if you buy it, you're, you're not going to be able to make the payments. Right. Um, well, I mean, that goes back to the man who had the dream about, you know, his uncle who was a failed gambler who told him, you know, to play the third horse in the race. 
um, you always have to use your common sense. And I think that's one of the first things that uh, when I started to have, um, you know, after that, that um, after that experience where I heard that voice in the apartment and I started uh, to go to these uh, classes on uh, psychic ability and psychic research, you know, that what they would always tell you first is trust your common sense first. And if you get, you know, if you hear a voice that tells you to buy a stock or to buy a car or to buy a house and, you know, you know that it's uh, out of your reach, um, you know, don't don't let any advice or any any uh, any warning that uh, fills you with a sense of fear. My, my rule of thumb is any message that is fear based is something that I just I just tune it out. Mm. Um, any message that you know tries to get you to feel guilty, ashamed, or afraid um, is really you know it, it's you don't need messages like that. We can give ourselves enough messages like that, and we do all the time. You know we're we're all very complex creatures, and each one of us knows how to make ourselves feel bad. We don't need extra help from the outside world, uh, whether that's coming through a dream or whether that's coming from advertising or any other kind of message. Yeah. So. So, so what you're saying is believe not every spirit, that's for sure. Um, now, I had an, an intuition the other day, about started about two weeks ago, and my intuition was um, that Russia was amassing on a Ukraine border, which they certainly wouldn't have done two years ago or three years ago, but now they feel like they're, they're emboldened, so they did it. And my intuition was to put a stop on my 401k to switch it to a to a to a um, a, a, a safe account. <laughs> so I figured, well, now I'll just wait this thing. We'll wait and see what happens. Well, <laughs> a few days later, boom! And I mean, the the market's going down. Percentages are being lost. And then I finally did. But that wasn't a message of my sixth sense. That was common sense. It seems like to me could have been that could have been easily predicted. And some charlatans would have certainly said. Hey, my 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 sense it's coming in now. It's coming in. If Russia is going to invade Ukraine, it's going to smash the stock market. A lot of people play that, and so you got to watch watch out. So, and you mentioned common sense, but common sense isn't listed in the six senses. Which one is it? Is it another sense? Well, you know, it, it's interesting. There there's a um, there are two types of of six sense that I write about in the book, and one is is um, I could talk about a judge who sees somebody who maybe has a very long rap sheet, but the judge looks at the person and says, you know, my gut feeling is that this person is going to be okay now and, you know, he can go home with his family. And um, and so that, that judge is drawing upon years of what we call tacit knowledge. That's information that we've acquired through our five physical senses, through years and years of training and practice. Um, I remember I interviewed uh, Dr. Robert Jarvik, who developed the first artificial heart, and he said that you know they, they were they were developing a, a miniature model, and um, he had a very strong gut feeling that the model that uh, this engineer had developed wasn't going to work, but he didn't know why. He just had a gut feeling. Well, that was based on his years and years and years of, of medical experience and education, and he insisted that the engineer rebuild it to this uh, design that kind of came to him on a hunch and uh, that became the actual working model of the world's first artificial heart. So when you get a hunch about your finances, that would be what we call you know, a sixth sense that's based on 
um, your your five physical senses. It's based on knowledge that you've acquired through your lifetime. The other kind of sixth sense that we're talking about, the kind of paranormal, where the source of the information can't be explained through the five physical senses, or what we call extrasensory or paranormal. That's normally what we think of as the sixth sense. But all of a uh, lot, well, I would say a lot of great scientific discoveries and inventions are the result of that first type of sixth sense where somebody had a hunch or a gut feeling or a dream. A mathematician um, had a dream about a formula that he'd been trying to uh, prove mathematically for years. The father of organic chemistry was trying to get the formula of the benzene molecule for 20 years. And then one night he had a dream about a snake eating its tail. Mm -hmm. And he became lucid in the dream. And that dream showed him what years and years of calculations and formulas and algebra hadn't been able to uh, point him to on paper. Hmm. So, um, you know, you're describing that kind of combination of logic, common sense, and it kind of, hmm. it all gets synthesized and suddenly you have a hunch or a gut feeling hmm. that you should act in a certain way now. Hmm. Um, a few years ago, and I forget what was, there was some rumbling in the economy I think it was, I'm trying to remember what it was, it wasn't that long ago, um, and I remember um, speaking to um, somebody and saying, you know, if there's anything in, in, uh, in there's, there's any investment that you think that if the, if the market were to drop, um, if we were to look at w what my holdings are and you were to say, um, gee, I wish I'd sold that. Like, what, what should I sell now so that I'm not looking at it six months mm -hmm. from now and I'm saying, gee, I wish I had sold it, but let me sell it now ahead of time mm -hmm. so that we can kind of be a little bit ahead of the curve. So sometimes, you know, that's, that's part of the, the survival instinct that is so much a part of the sixth sense mm. in that sensory way. Oh, oh if only my, my sixth sense told me to buy Apple stock when they first come out with the iPhone. Oh, if I'd only known than what I know now. All right, we got uh, a great uh, viewer watching and fan of the show, watching the show, uh, sent this in. It says, um, uh, my mom had a dream that my grandpop told her to go to the doctor. This was back in 91. She went to her gynecologist, who she hadn't seen for years, and then they found uterine cancer. So there is a classic case of somebody hearing and then acting upon uh, in a dream, acting upon a dream. Um, so, so sometimes, it, and I would think you might agree with me on this that, that maybe, and I, I don't know if we differentiate between lucid dreams and regular dreams, but if it's an intense dream, that if even if something sounds a little ridiculous, should we follow it on on the hunch that that it could be an answer to something or could be a foreboding or so forewarning that we need to take it action or should we just ignore them because in this case here it, it worked but what if it you know what if it said something else you know I mean should should we act on a dream even if it doesn't seem logical well you know if if it's a you know I I always go by the rule of son better safe than sorry. So, you know, if, if, it's, uh, if it's a precaution, you know, kind of, you know, obviously grandfather was somebody that his mother respected. Um, and so, you know, it's like my dad coming and telling me to buy water. Um, I think that, you know, if, if, it's, if it's something where, you know, you, you feel like 
yeah, maybe I should check into that. It's always better to be safe than sorry. Mm. Um, right, little Sanchez, do you consider yourself a new ager? And, and on, on that, I, I, I would bet that, uh, say, like a maybe a Hasidic Jew might look at the New Testament as new age. Mm-hmm. So, but in your particular case, do you consider yourself a, what's, a, and I don't know that there is a definition for a new age. I, 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 I mean, I don't know. Is that somebody did that? that collects rocks or hugs trees or I mean, you can't, you can't lump. I mean, maybe if you just say a prayer, somebody might consider yourself, you know, so are there, is there a description and do you consider yourself one? Well, I think new age was kind of a, a, it was a marketing genre that came out, you know, in kind of the 19, late 1990s, you know, for, for publishers, people became much more interested in, kind of, you know, new thought and, you know, the law of attraction and psychic phenomenon and all got lumped into this kind of category of, uh, of new age, which, you know, ranges from, as you said, uh, crystals, for example, you know, you know, believing in rocks to, um, I mean, I've studied with indigenous healers and shamans and, you know, and people who practice traditions that go back thousands and thousands of years. So, um, and, and from a spiritualist point of view or from a, a Buddhist, uh, I've been practicing as a Buddhist for many years and meditating, I mean, none of that's new. So, um, you know, from that point of view, no, but do I believe that it's important for us to kind of look at these issues in a new way so that we're no longer suffering from the prejudices that have really haunted and, and, and suppressed people for so many generations, you know, if that's what it means to be new age, then yeah, count me in. Is there a defining date for new age versus old age? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's a good question. I don't know. I'm about to. I'm going to look that up myself, man. Um, so yeah, I mean, so there are um, there are people ahead of you about about what new age is and what it is intimate. Um, you know, some people collect rocks and, you know, say they have magical powers meant they can assign certain things. Now, certainly from a biblical standpoint, it didn't have a lot of good things to say about witches. And I I, I would expect, Dr. Lori, you're not a witch, right? Yeah. No, I'm not. You're not no, a witch? I'm not. No. no. Okay. Man, I, I, I'd hear it after the show if you said yes. <laughs> But anyway, so so are your are your viewers asking if I'm a witch? Because no, I, no, no, I no, no, no. I was just throwing that out there. I mean, because you know, I'm just kind of segueing off of New Age. I mean, I don't know where that can go. Everybody has their point of view, you know, so to speak. But uh, uh, so, what about Oregon? Have you heard of that? That's like a um, I don't know. If that's a rock or a material, but it's supposed to protect right there. Now, Oregon is something that's supposed to protect you from aliens. So wouldn't that be in the category of New Age? Um, well, you know, the question of whether aliens are New Age or not I mean, is interesting because they appear in the Bible and they show up in Mayan, you know, uh, hieroglyphics and sculptures. Mm-hmm. And, you know, theoretically, um, some people say that, you know, they're the ones that carved the Nazca lines and that built the uh, pyramids mm-hmm. and the Inca pyramids. So, you know, I, I don't consider... Um, you know, there's that show Ancient Aliens. I don't think that, that you know, aliens uh, or, or the subject of aliens is, is particularly new. I think, you know, the, 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 whole, the whole idea that we are, you know, that humans are the most intelligent, um, you know, species or intelligent force in, in you know, in the galaxy, 
Um, I mean, boy, if we're the most intelligent force in the galaxy, galaxy is in big trouble. Hmm. You know, I think there have to be other other types of, of beings and intelligences that are um, that are coexisting with us, even though they may not be coexisting with us in physical form the way we conceive of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to make a what I think would be a fair fair statement. Back in the day. Around the uh, the Crusades, Dark Ages, the the Roman Catholics, um, the priests would have the spiritual guidebook in Latin, and it would be chained uh, to the altar. And if it was and it was in Latin, so they expected that the people couldn't read it, and they certainly didn't want somebody to interpret it. So they tried to keep the people sort of ignorant in that way. Um, I guess they they really didn't want the truth in that book. They 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 felt it would it would cause their power grip to be loosened because they were in fear of the of the leaders at that time. Particularly the religious leaders were in power. Today, everybody's getting banned, shadow banned, booted off, canceled. Isn't that the same thing that the 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 priests were doing back in the dark ages? Well, it's very interesting. There was a um, an interview last night on uh, Bill Maher with um, the uh, uh, it was Len uh, his name is Len Grossman. He was the head of the ACLU for many years, and they were talking about free speech. And uh, you know, free speech is the right for anybody to say what's on their mind, assuming in, in and this is my view, assuming that it's not threatening or violent towards other people. But that, I mean, that's. That's my criteria, but you know, people who are pure advocates of free speech believe that you should be entitled to express your views and your opinion, um, and that you're protected under the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, when we start, you know, uh, canceling or blocking or um, you know, kind of uh, you know, finessing or manipulating um, how people express themselves. Um, mm-hmm. it, it becomes very convoluted and it becomes very dangerous, mm. I think. Um, we were talking earlier in the first hour uh, suggesting that when somebody has a spiritual experience, particularly as they come well, starts with the kids, that they see if they see an imaginary friend, we collapse around and say, well, no, they're not really there. You know, we talk them out of it, we stop them, and now we're talking about speech. Uh, for instance, if I can use the example today, there's some massive protests going on in Canada, all these truckers went to Ottawa, and the system, worldwide really, is collapsing against their speech saying, you don't have the right free speech, and the way they frame that and justify that kind of thinking is they, they, they throw a tagline out, the racists are coming to town, the misogynists are coming to town, and all they're doing is exercising their free speech, so people aren't, they don't, the free speech really is a, almost a thing of the past. And with the, with the computers, the easier it gets for some controllers, I am sure. And I hate to bring up a Nazi thing, but if Hitler had the power of tech back then, he probably would have he would have won World War II. He would have got away with a lot more stuff. He was probably happy that he got away with what he did. I mean, he convinced people that you know the Jews were evil, and he went on from there, and they carried disease and this and that. And and the majority believed him. They were tramping down free speech too. So we we have that thing. We have a lot of bubbles. Uh, a lot of walls, should I say, to, to break through to where we can get to maybe, like somebody asked, are these things interfering with our spirituality, our ability to have these senses 
when we're constantly being bombarded by this system that that tries to categorize us, stamp us, number us, put us in a, in, in a, in a tribe to control us. So we don't seem, how can we stop going with that and get, start heading back where you're trying to go and that it's into the, the more spiritual, the more relying on your senses rather than the media? Well, I, I think, you know, the answer to your question is in the question, which is that, you know, and, and I say this in the five gifts and uh, the American Red Cross says this to people, you know, when they notify that you've uh, lost somebody in a natural disaster, you know, turn off the screens, you know, turn off the media, uh, get off social media for a while, um, sit with yourself, pay attention to nature, take a walk. Um, listen to music, hang out with your pet, you know, make eye contact with another human being, go to the supermarket and ask the cashier how they're having, you know, what kind of day they're having, reconnect on a human level and, and forget what's on the screens for a while. Don't, don't, don't be, don't let your life be controlled by all that external stuff and your inner voice will, will get stronger. I truly believe that. Hmm. All right. Um, Got a couple more questions. We probably get in here for the end here. It says, um, "Is is today's medical system corrupt and evil?" Well, I think there's corruption, um, but I also think that you know it's kind of a mistake to call it a system. I I don't think that it's a system anymore. I mean, I think you have so many you have so many special interests, and I know so many doctors who. Um, are so frustrated by um, the, the, the difficulty that they have in practicing patient-centered medicine. Mm. Um, you know, the, the, the interference, the, the, the business prerogatives, the cost of malpractice insurance, the uh, prioritization and the regulation and the auditing by insurance companies, um, the pressure that they're under to, um, to save people's lives, but they're not supposed to spend more than 10 minutes per patient. Um, it, it's it's not a system anymore. You know, it's 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 barely um, it's barely a profession anymore because of all uh, because of because of the way things have broken down in this in this country. I think on so many other levels, and I think that uh, medicine is is kind of a symptom of that. Hmm. Well, I think the Hippocratic Oath, uh, from what I That's can right. see, reports I'm getting from some places that. It must be disavowing it, and I thought that was like the bedrock thing that you could always count on, most unpolitical thing that there could possibly be, the Hippocratic Oath, your doctor, a doctor, a hospital, that must be looking out for your best interest. It's just another one of those things, just, it just doesn't seem like it's that exactly that way right now. I don't want to like throw it out because we're all going to need some health care, but there's a lot of eruptions that are saying there's like warning signs like Will Robinson and the robot man warning warning you know we're getting these warning signs something is changing and it doesn't seem to be better I don't like these dark kind of conversations uh, but it kind of went off that there but again back to the, your positivity statement and that is uh, a lot of the media if that's what's in your brain that may be you know what you what you're putting in might be coming out you know what you're feeding on might be what uh, what's coming out? All right, a couple more questions, and then we'll be at, be at the end here. Um, uh, Max says, 
Dr. Lori, do you believe in raising your Kundalini energy above the waistline? I have no idea what that means. Uh, well, Kundalini is a type of yoga. Um, I don't practice it, but um, you know, there's certainly again there are many ancient practices of um, raising that that life force energy that gives you um, kind of more enhanced clarity and focus. Um, I, I it's not part of my practice, but um, about people who've do been doing do, it for uh, thousands do, of years. Do you do you do the do this sh chakra stuff? You believe in all that chakra stuff? Um, I do. I do believe that uh, we have we have chakras, um, and I I know that they are important in terms of um, very often you, if we can do some chakra medica meditation, mm -hmm. it can help us to rebalance. Who, who, um, who gave who gave us, who, who gave people the chakra? Sorry, what? Who gave people the chakra? Uh, well, I think you know if you if you look at the picture of the human aura, um, mm -hmm. there are certain ways that that. Um, bioenergetic photographs will show that there are certain like indentations in the aura that actually correspond uh, to the mm -hmm. energy, the wheels of energy, which also correspond to seven different glands in the body, mm -hmm. including the pituitary gland and the pineal gland. Yeah, I was going to say, so, is, it, is, is the pineal gland the source of the sixth sense? That's what they say. But mm -hmm. then there's new science that says that we have sixth sense, we have intuition in every cell in our body. And that it's not uh, it's not limited to the right brain or the pineal gland, mm -hmm. but traditionally, you know, in in uh, mysticism, pineal gland, which is in the the space between the eyebrows, is mm -hmm. believed to be the center of of uh, sixth sense and, and mm -hmm. inner knowing. Mm -hmm. well, I don't have much trust in. One time I had some acne there, and I wasn't getting any readings. It was blocking my readings, man. Um, so I was the other day. I'm looking at YouTube, and I've had dozens of people with near death experiences on this program over the years. And um, so I've heard a lot of stories, a lot of interviews, and uh, I saw one, and it looked good. Guys, guys it said, um, uh, I'm bringing back a message. So naturally, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to click on it. <laughs> so I click on it. It turns out that the guy said he died, but he went to some sort of chakra place. And he said, when he come back, he said, man, it's all the chakra, this chakra did the, this the chakra over there. I'm thinking, man, look, I've... I've been talking to people for years. Ain't nobody said there's a chakra on the other side. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't watch it. I couldn't watch it anymore. I, I had to divest myself from that video there. Kind of altered my sense there. But hey, we are getting toward the end there, doctor. And I do want to say, um, you so you have some books, uh, the Sixth Sense and and, uh, and the Five Gifts. Now, where, where can people get those? Uh, well, those are available on Amazon. Uh, they're available, and uh, you can ask for them in bookstores. Um, Bards and Noble uh, can order them for you. Uh, they've been around, uh, the Five Gifts has been around a couple of years. Um, I'd like to say that it came out right at the time of the Parkland shooting, which was four years ago, and uh, my publisher, HCI Books, uh, and I donated books to every teacher at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School wow. after the shooting. Very nice. Very, um, very nice. Proud of that. And uh, Sixth Sense is uh, still rocking after 30 years wow. and is now an audiobook. Both books are audiobooks, hmm. by the way. By the way, I was going to ask you this. Uh, wh what year was it that uh, you were on the Art Bell Show? Uh, I was in the Art uh, Art Bell Show in 2007. That's when I brought out the, this latest edition of Sixth Sense, the one that you've been kind enough to show the cover that says uh, Sixth hmm. Sense, Unlocking Your Ultimate uh, Mind Power. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. Okay, check in the poll, see if we've moved that at all. Uh, what is the sixth sense? Looks like 
50% say extrasensory perception and 35% say knowing beyond the five senses and a few intuitions or hunches. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to keep working on my hunches. And you, you know, my, my sixth sense and my hunch is that you know a little bit more about the spiritual guidebook than you've been letting on. Uh, could be, could be. <laughs> um, I really appreciate your uh, asking me on the show and, and, you know, really giving me an opportunity to, to, to really speak very honestly. I know there are people out there listening who have had similar experiences and who may not have been able to speak as openly about them. And um, I, I really think it, it, this is an opportunity for us to, to, to kind of open the way for greater honesty about sixth sense experiences because it, it's not it's not weird. It's just part of human life, and um, and it enhances us. It it makes us grow. It helps us to grow mm. in appreciation for God and and for the higher higher beings that are around us that are here to help us. So you're saying don't be a sixth sense hater. That's right. Don't, don't be a sixth sense. Don't hater. be afraid. Of, don't be afraid of it. Okay. Yeah. All right, Dr. Lori Nadell. I appreciate you coming on the program tonight. Thank you so much. I've had a great time. All right, very good. A great interview. All right. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. That was Dr. Lori Nadell talking about this. Yeah.